0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements or anything, so let's jump right in. First up, U.S. pre-orders are now open for the MemCard Pro 2, and there were a bunch of firmware updates since the last time I talked about it. So let's back up so I can kind of go over all of this stuff. First of all, the MemCard Pro 2 is the next generation of the MemCard for the PlayStation consoles, and this works with the PlayStation 2, the original PlayStation, and can even work with the PS3 as a transfer device, just like the original USB transfer kit was for that. If you wanna see a great video walking you through everything that it could do, please check out the video from Tito from Macho Nacho Productions. And this is up for pre-order through both 8-bit mods in Europe, as well as now Stone Age Gamer in the US. So the price is about the same, I would just basically get whatever's geographically closer to you. And they're probably gonna ship in winter, which stinks because everybody wants one of these, but I think that's a very safe bet. And it's my strong opinion that I'd rather have somebody say ships in October and it actually starts shipping in September than says ships in October and it ships in December. So I'm 100% behind them for that one. But realistic ship times, it's a product that's already been out. So I would call this as safe as possible for any pre-order. And also there's been a ton of firmware updates since Tito's video that has a bunch of different things involved. But I think Uh, The number one feature that most people would probably notice is that even when you're using original disks, it can auto detect what game is being played now, and then you could get a virtual memory card per game for that. There's also a, a whole bunch of other things that have been added, like 64 megabyte and 128 megabyte VMC sizes. Um, and different logos, and just a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Honestly, if you own one of these, check out the long list of bug fixes and improvements. If you've just pre-ordered one, maybe check out the new features list just to see what you could expect. But overall, I would call this an absolute must-have for people that want one memory card for... Basically, PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. Uh, it's been absolutely awesome. All of the MemCard Pros have been, but you, uh, w- with love and respect to 8-bit mods, I think you get the most out of your money with this one, as you could use it on many consoles. You could probably say that about the MemCard Pro GC, as you got Wii and GameCube as well, but whatever. I love them all. This one's my favorite just because I didn't think PS2 would be possible, and it is, and it works great. So check out Tito's video for more info. All of the links for everything, the firmware update, the pre-orders are all in this post, and uh, can't wait to see what features they add next. Next up, Brendan, aka BastishB64K, has just released the first part of an epic documentary series on the Sega Genesis Mega Drive. Part one covers from 1988 to 1992, and while the opening of it focuses on the launch of the Mega Drive and how Sega came to be, the real focus of the video is on the games from those years, and there's guests, there's you know reviews of each, and it's almost six hours long, and it's only part one, so this is absolutely massive. If you're a fan of the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive and you want to learn more about the games and especially want it break in, uh, broken down like this, uh, I can't possibly recommend it enough. I started watching it. I haven't gotten through all of it. Funny enough, though, I started watching this and I saw a couple of the guests that he had shown and I was like, oh, wow, Brendan's got some cool people on this. And then all of a sudden I see me talking to the camera He's been working on this so long I had completely forgotten what I had recorded for this, Uh, and I haven't gotten to the part in the documentary yet where I'm on it, so I don't know. Is it a a massive fail like when I was in Stika's? Uh, Everybody else did so much better in that one than I did, but I I don't know. Hopefully my part doesn't suck, but I'm looking forward to to watching the rest of it, and I strongly recommend it for anybody that just loves deep-dive documentaries into games and stuff like that. And, of course, if you want to hear more from Brendan, just check out the interview I did with the video embedded right in the post, or just search any podcast app for Retro RGB, bash dish B, BASTICHB, B A S T I C H B. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, Brendan. But anyway, awesome video. And I just really wanted to share it with everybody. And you can't say that I'm only sharing it because I'm in it, because I have no recollection of being in it. So after months of waiting, Analog finally released a jailbreak for their Duo console. I'm sorry, a company that's definitely not Analog, that happens to have all of the code to their original console to make firmwares for it's definitely not analog. Finally allows you to launch ISOs and your hue cards right from the SD card. And I think that is a pretty big deal because not only can you not really fit the original everdrives in without an extender, but it's just it's one of the advantages of FPGA gaming, having the ability to use your original disks and hue cards but also to just load ROMs. So I'm very glad this is finally available. I was borrowing a friend of mine's, uh, lots of people that I know like to send their stuff to me first, both so I could check it out, and so I get to do a live stream or something on it. And I ended up just sending it to my friend, because I was like, they're never going to release the jailbreak on this one apparently they did. So if you want more details, uh, Alex uh, showed everything that you need, including instructions right in the post here, as well as a link to download it. It is a little bit buggy, but it's firmware version 0.9. So you could probably expect another update at some point. And I just want to be very clear, all of my wise-ass comments aside... This is an official firmware, so don't think. I've heard so many people say, well, I don't want to load a jailbreak. What if something goes wrong and it voids my warranty? This is absolutely not the case. It is impossible for anybody other than Analog to do this, so you could safely load this on, and you could always switch it back to a different firmware. Um, if something. You could always go uh, back to the original or to a, a newer version of this. I don't think you can go back to older versions up to a point with these things, but it is totally safe to just do, and it shouldn't take any functionality away. It should be, you know, but so your Hue cards and your disks should run the same as it did before this. So I would, you know, definitely recommend doing it if you own one of these, just because why not add the ability to load ROMs on this? But glad to see they finally released it. Sad that it's not uh, their open FPGA platform. Really sad that you can't turn this into essentially like the, do- the pocket with the dock, you know, because there's a lot of people like me that just don't play on handhelds, and I would have loved to have used this plugged into a, probably plugged into the RetroTink 4K, just to run all of the analog cores as well. But you could only use TurboGraphics, sur- uh, up to super graphics, I believe, as well as the CD games. So, you know, if you own one, definitely do it. If you haven't owned one yet, you know, definitely think about before buying. Is this something that would benefit you, or would you be better off with? original hardware, a mister, whatever else. They're all great solutions. It's just whatever's the best for you. Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just posted a video showing off a new FPGA-based Game Boy Color from Funny Playing, which is a company that I'm sure if you follow Tito's work or the handheld scene, you've heard that name before. And it looks awesome. It looks like something that I guess here's the best way to put it. After I watched Tito's video, I texted Cousin Scott and said, hey, is your backlit Game Boy Color still working? And he said, yeah, it's perfect. Why? And I said, well, if that ever dies, this is probably the one you're going to want to get. Because you can get it right from the AliExpress store uh, for under 100 bucks delivered, I believe. And yeah, the shipping will be a little longer, but that's Pretty awesome, and you do have to assemble it, but it looks like a very easy assembly. And while it's not 100% perfect, and it's certainly not as good as the analog pocket, it's under 100 bucks, and you could actually buy it. So this is one of those things where, I strongly recommend watching Tito's video to see if this is something that you're into, but I personally have gotten really into original consoles and FPGA now. So if I were into handhelds, I might do something like refurbish an original Game Boy or an original Game Boy Color and kind of leave it as is uh, and just know that I have the original and then buy this one to actually game on the go. Also having the advantage of if you throw this in your pocket and you're playing on the subway and something happens and you break it, it sucks, you're out 100 bucks, but it's replaceable. Whereas if you spent a lot of time and effort refurbishing an old classic console and you accidentally smash it, that's kind of heartbreaking. Even if, what if it's your original childhood console too? And it survived your angry childhood, but now you break it as an adult. So there's a lot of reasons that somebody might want this. Um, either way, just check out the video and make the decision for yourself. But I'm really happy to see that there's more lower priced FPGA options out there. And I'm really excited to see if this could spill over to the consoles because I would love to see a Super Nintendo, an NES, a Genesis, where you could just plug in your original carts, also maybe load ROMs off an SD card and have it output without any lag, without processing the video wrong, all of the crappy clone consoles that you have today. I would love to see something where I could just tell people, hey, if you want to play those original cartridges you still have, just buy this. There's no... Gutches. There's no, we'll wake up to make sure that you buy it between 10 and 10.01 a.m. I would love to just have solutions for people that even if it's not perfect, it's, if it's no lag, it's easy to get, it's well-priced, then I think people would jump on it. So thanks to plenty Funny Playing for doing this. Um, hopefully they'll keep them in stock and continue to update them. All that remains to be seen, but definitely check out Tito's video. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I finally had a chance to try the Megaswish HD for myself, and it is awesome. It's basically zero lag. It looks phenomenal. The audio integration is great. And this is going to be a mini review of it. I'm just very excited to talk about it. And if you really don't care, skip to the next section. But honestly, even if you don't plan on adding HDMI to your Genesis, I think this is something that you still might want to listen to because it gives you a sense of what could happen with some of these older consoles that we were told could never have an HDMI mod. So first of all, the Mega Switch HD is a kit that's currently only compatible with Genesis Model 1s or uh, some Mega Drive Model 1s. You'd have to check the compatibility list. And it taps digital signals to recreate the video output. Now, this isn't something that you're, it's not like the GameCube where you could just plug something in and get digital video and just convert it to HDMI. This is using hybrid emulation. Uh, The same way that Quicks with the RGB blaster used it, the same way James with the Atari 7800 game drive did it, where it's taking the data that's being processed in the VDP and using an FPGA to recreate the video chip and output of it. So you are absolutely using an original Genesis with original RAM chips, original CPU, original uh, audio circuit. And this is really just taking care of the video side of things. Now, it completely retains original analog output as well. It doesn't affect that at all. So you could use this simultaneous dual output Uh, You could use it just one or the other. It doesn't really matter. And the latest addition is if you need audio integrated as well, there's another very cheap board that you have to buy that is an analog to digital converter. And in the live stream that I did, I ended up tapping the same spot underneath the headphone amp that I did for the first guide I ever wrote for RetroRGB.com. And unbeknownst to me, the Genesis that I was using was the original Genesis I bought to do retro RGB and do this mod. And I didn't, I had no idea that's the one it was until I looked up the guide, my own guide and saw this exact Genesis in there. was pretty neat. Um, But the audio integration came out perfect. So it is very clean. It sounds great, but you still have the headphone jack available and the slider still works with the headphones, but doesn't affect the HDMI, which of course you could tap in a different spot if you wanted the slider to work. But I thought that was perfect. And I also thought the audio was a good volume, but there is the ability to boost the volume right in the on-screen display if you want to. So Audio and video output is great. Video output is exactly what you would expect from an HDMI FPGA. It is perfect. It is absolutely crystal clear. But when I did the lag test, that's when I was really surprised. There are two modes. There is a zero latency mode that might have compatibility issues with some TVs, but it is zero latency. We verified this. Um, I'd I Just check out the stream if you don't believe me, but it is verified at zero, And then there is a higher latency mode that should fix compatibility with everything and it's less than half a frame of lag. And in fact, the firmware update that I did on this improved compatibility in the lower lag mode as well. So when I first plugged it into my capture card, the Avermedia Live Gamer 4K, it wouldn't work at all in zero lag mode. And now it drops out a little bit, but I mean, it's a capture card. Who cares, right? If you're splitting the output, so or if you have HDMI going to the capture card and analog going to a CRT, then lag wouldn't matter anyway. But even if you're splitting it to an HDMI display and your capture card or running capture card pass-through, less than half a frame of lag is Awesome. That is so good. Um, The options are pretty good as well. Uh, It has a couple of different things you could tweak, like mask the border colors, the CRAM dots, the very basics. It only does have 1080p output at the moment. Now, you can do from 4 to 5x. I demoed once again in the video why 5x is by far my favorite way to do this, but it doesn't have any other resolutions. 480p would be nice, I guess, for people just going into a bunch of different things that you could use 480p on, whether it's a VGA monitor with a cheap DAC that you're using. There's a whole bunch of reasons why it would be nice, but not necessary. But the only feature I do think that it's missing at the moment is direct output. So I'm gonna call it 240p, but with HDMI, it would actually have to be something like 1920 by 240 or something like that. And just like you would do with the Mister, with the analog products, and that would allow it to connect directly to a RetroTINK 4K, to get a beautiful 4k output with those CRT filters and you know a lot of people ask why would you want to do that why wouldn't you just get a mister I'm telling you it was so weird plugging this thing directly into my OLED TV so I just have an HDMI cable coming from my original Genesis into that HDTV and it just looks phenomenal and sounded great too the ADC was very clean So I completely see a scenario in which people would want to get this mod done and route it through their Tink 4K to have that advantage. So I've talked to Stanislav about it, the creator. Uh, I have not talked to Mike Chi yet, but maybe I can get them together and Mike could provide the data that's needed for that if it's not too much work or something. But that's basically the only feature at the moment that I think would be a really cool addition. Also, if you're somebody who has like a Sony BVM, but you also have a beautiful flat panel to game on, taking something like uh, an HDMI to component or HDMI to VGA with a HD15 to SCART, you could actually get crystal clear, technically, RGB video out of this thing using it if the 240p mode was added. and. That's something I definitely see people wanting to do, because depending on the model Genesis, it's really hard to get it completely jailbar free with RGB. So even with a triple bypass and the best modder on the planet, some uh, some other board revs are just a little noisier. So I definitely see this being a potential for people who would want to do that. Uh, the only other downsides is it's not going to work with the 32X, because you would it would take a lot to, you would have to basically HDMI mod the 32X as well. It will still work with analog, because that's not disabled, so if you have a 32X, you could still just use your composite or RGB output, and it won't work with master system games, same thing. You'd have to, the analog outputs work, but this wouldn't. Honestly though, I loved it. Um, I did a live stream, which is very slow, so if you're not into those things, don't watch it, but I added the analog to digital converter, and I did it very slowly because I didn't want to mess up all of the beautiful mod work that Jose had done for me on this one and I also wanted to try that different point than, the, than was in Stanislav's guides so slow and steady but if you just want to see it skip to the end and my mic got messed up again so I'm sorry for the scraggly voice in that it's always such a hard balance in these live streams to keep your microphone loud enough without getting it crackly like that but I'll, I'll keep trying I'll watch some more Epos Vox videos and see if I could fix it but honestly I loved this thing I couldn't possibly recommend it enough if this is a scenario that you would want. Obviously, some people are just going to want all original hardware, and other people are going to want a mister because it's just one device that does all of it. Or people might want original hardware and a mister and not do this. All of these, they're all good answers. It's really what you want for your setup. But if having an HDMI outputting Genesis is something that, and dual output, is something that would work for you, then this is the way to go. This thing was very cool. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to skim through these and just add my thoughts where I feel necessary. But if you want visual examples and a lot more info, please check out Lou's video. First up, Todd from RetroFrog released the 3D printed files that allow for the Mr. Keyboard case. So essentially, if you want Mr. in a case with a clicky keyboard that is reminiscent of older computers like the Commodore 64, Tandy 1000, Apple, you know, the ones with the computer in the keyboard basically then here you go i talked to todd i don't think he's planning on selling these although i wish he would cuz there's so many people out there that want to buy stuff like this and also want to buy the or want to support the original creator but if you have your own 3d printer just download and print yourself and it should be fine next up full setups of the mr multi system are now available at ultimatemr.com Uh, They're now in a new low-profile case that's modeled after a Neo Geo AES. So it's probably the cases that uh, Richard had showed off um, last year, and uh, they just picked that one. So you could also get stock of single boards if you don't need a full setup. Next, the aluminum cases for Mr. Add-ons are back in stock with new colors. I know a lot of people loved the look of those cases, so if you were into that size and shape, then uh, absolutely go for it. Um, There's also going to be light versions of the kit available, so you could buy everything that you need except the DE10. So if you are using HDMI only and you want to upgrade to those, that's a good option too, Um, or just, you know, get the full kits. Next up, the creator of the Mini ITX Ironclad Plus board has created a more affordable version of it called the Ironclad Lite. It's much slimmer and has an integrated power supply, and it'll go on sale uh, probably by the time you hear this for a, just over a hundred bucks. And I liked the Ironclad. I, li- I liked what I saw with the Ironclad. I haven't personally tested it. Um, it looked very cool. It was a bit expensive. So I think this is a good way to introduce more people to a mini ITX style of that. The Atlantis, of course, is the cheapest, but um, you might need more than that. So I would definitely check this out to see if it's something you're interested in. And with love and respect, test it test all of these things when you get them. Do the same tests that I showed in the Retro Castle video. And just remember that if a developer has spent the time to get good analog and audio and video output, they want you to test it. They want you to throw everything at it just so it comes back to show how much work they put into it to make it well. And if it doesn't perform well, you should let people know that as well. So test the heck out of these things. Let me know what you find, publish your results, but The Ironclad looks awesome, so I hope it performs well, too. Next up, the GB MIDI Mr. Core was released, which is a sound module for sending MIDI data to the implemented sound hardware of the Game Boy. So then you could then connect MIDI peripherals to your Mr. and play music using the Core. So that's great for Game Boy chiptunes musicians. I love all of this extra music-related stuff, so this is very cool. The Mr. is just getting more uses than you could imagine. Next up, there are more fixes to the N64 core. Robert, killing it as always. Um, So Factor V games like Star Wars Rogue Squadron and Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine now have bug fixes. Anton Gale added the MRI for the Exidy arcade game Hard Hat, so that game should start showing up soon on your arcade games list. Just run update all. Shane Lynch has released Mr. Cast, and I'm going to keep this quick because I want to do a live stream. Uh, I know Lou's probably working on a video for this. I think I saw another video out. It looks ridiculous. I am so excited to try this, and I refuse to do so until I have really time to sit down and just you know, spend a couple hours messing with it. Basically, you should be able to cast whatever's on your PC screen to your mister using the groovy mister project with basically zero latency. And that's Videos, that's PC games, that's a lot of different options for you. So it's very, very exciting. And this will open up the door for so many cool things. What I'd like to see next is uh, an Unraid uh, plugin for this so that you could run this headless from your Unraid server. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get back to try all that stuff soon. And lastly, there were a bunch more fixes to the Sega Saturn Core. Uh, which is also getting really exciting. So thank you to SRG320 for continuing the work on this, and it's very cool to see the Saturn core moving along like this. So as usual, thanks so much to Lou for keeping up with all of this. I certainly couldn't, so please don't forget to subscribe to Lou on YouTube as well. This next section is absolutely massive news for owners of jailbroken 3DS consoles and fans of the Virtual Boy. You could now play Virtual Boy games in 3D at full speed on 3DS consoles which is something that Nintendo should have included with the 3DS at launch date, And something that people have been working on for a very long time. And while I've seen demos of it over the years, it was never running at full speed. So this is absolutely awesome. And this is a very neat way to experience Virtual Boy games because you have a hardware platform that was designed to be used in 3D. So you should be able to have a pretty good experience with it. Um, I I haven't had a chance to try it myself. I actually no longer own a 3DS. So hopefully I could try it out on somebody else's one day just to see what this is like. But it just looks so cool and it really like I just can't say enough Nintendo should have opened with this Nintendo likes to pretend that the Virtual Boy never existed they also like to pretend that they've never had any failures before and everything's always a success you should go back and watch that original Mario Brothers movie to remind them of that but um, I don't get it though there were a couple of really good Virtual Boy games I loved Wario Land I actually really liked Mario Tennis I thought that was a fun and great way to experience the 3D effect then I think anybody who bought a 3DS when it was released, who was of the age to remember the Virtual Boy, would have totally bought some Virtual Boy, Virtual Boy, Virtual, Boy, Virtual Console games, whatever, on there. And it was really disappointing to not ever have that. So now, thanks to Skyflugel, uh, you absolutely can. So thank you very much for that. Check out Donald's post for more info. But I really do hope to to give this a try someday and see how it holds up because I just I like the Virtual Boy, but I, I just can't understand why Nintendo never put these on the 3DS themselves. Will's console mods now has stock of replacement internal power supplies for the PlayStation 1. This should work on all models of the fat PlayStation 1, just not the slim... And while I'm always very, very careful and cautious around power, Will has spent a long time trying the absolute maximum effort to making these things as good as possible. And Will's gone through a couple of different revisions. And while I haven't personally tested it, if I were going to gamble on an internal power supply for a PlayStation 1, this is the one that I would try. You know, I also still have that opinion of unless you your original power supply completely died, like a recap didn't fix it, or unless you need to use a console in a region where the power doesn't match. So PAL and NTSC, you know, etc. I would keep the original. But if you're in those two scenarios, this is definitely the option I would use. The only other thing that I would strongly recommend is getting a good Triad International PSU. I say international because it's, like a dollar more than the local one, and you never have to worry about where you go with it. But you can find cheaper power supplies that are supposedly good and work with this. But for about 20 bucks, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to take the risk. I want to use a power supply brand that it's not the best power supplies in the world, but they've consistently not sucked. Consistently. So the triads are not overpriced and I've always gotten one that worked exactly as it was supposed to. So that's the one I would recommend. I leave the model number as well as a link to Octopart, which is a website that just spits out where it has stock. Well, other websites have stock of that part. So wherever is easiest for you to get, I would grab one of those and this if you need it. Um, also, this is version 11 of the, Playst- or the PlayStation 1 replacement PSU. Will's going to be releasing a version 12 soon, but the only difference is a different fan header, which I think is there for people that just already own fans, so now you could have a choice of which type of fan header. I don't think it's for multiple fans, because I don't think anybody would need that in a PlayStation. I'm only saying this to say that if you were looking to buy one of these... And you've heard Will talking about version 12 is coming soon. I would not wait. I would just buy this one because I don't think that you're missing anything. The worst possible thing you would have to do is get a a fan pin adapter or just cut the wires and solder it directly. It's, you know, two seconds worth of work. So I wouldn't wait for this. It's not like you're going to have a different update of anything. But this power supply looks great. Um, It is You know, it's probably going to be fine after all everything that Will has researched. But if you're wondering why I'm so cautious and so wishy-washy about um, recommending stuff like this, check out the power supply and safety discussion I did with Mike Chi, Renee, and Voltar. It's available as a video uh, here in the post, or just search any podcast app for Retro RGB Power, and you'll immediately know why I'm so cautious about all of this stuff. And why I said things like in the post, I don't recommend people get the USB PD version of this. I recommend you get the barrel jack because of all the things we talked about in that podcast about USB PD. Do whatever you'd like, but don't say I didn't warn you. Well, that's it for this time. As always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in absolutely any way, because it really is you who's keeping all of this going. There's no way I could do it without you. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. This week's roundup is brought to you by Neo Paradigm Entertainment, connecting Southeast Asian influencers with opportunities in the West.